Jesus' disciples, like you and me, like the disciples of today, were a mixed bag of people. We know that he had many different followers, both men and women, but of course, most of the attention is given over to the Twelve, that core group who he gathered from different places at different times for different reasons. They had different skill sets, different levels of intelligence, very different personalities. I'm sure that amongst them, they each had their own idea about who Jesus was, about what his plan was for them, and about what each of their individual futures might be. We know that, of course, in one story, they uh, fought with each other over who would sit at his right hand. Indeed, uh, several of them really believed that he had come to overthrow, as in a military operation, to overthrow the Roman Empire and to restore the kingdom of Israel and to reign forever as its king. And naturally, they wanted to be in on that action. But as Jesus reminded them, no, indeed, that is not what he was meant to do, at least not in that uh, way that humans would understand. I think if you think about it from a heavenly or a spiritual perspective, he did indeed overcome the Roman Empire, and he did indeed become the King of Kings to reign in our hearts for all eternity, but not as an earthly despot. So here we find Peter. Peter is an interesting character because uh, he often speaks before he thinks, I, it's my, in my opinion. Uh, he's want to put his foot in his mouth. He's a guy who makes some uh, big promises that he doesn't always fulfill. In other words, he's a human being like we are. And so imagine this group of 12 and all of their different personalities and all their different perceptions of how they uh, see themselves interacting with Jesus' plan and what they think it's supposed to be. Imagine all 12 of them, what might be going through their minds as he begins to teach them that he must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. So, suffering, rejection by everybody who really matters, and not just to die, but to be killed, and then... I guess you could sort of follow along with that. Okay, okay, that sounds horrible. But then to say he's going to be raised again. You know, we know that from the uh, stories immediately following the resurrection that they still, at that point in time, didn't have their minds wrapped around the idea of Jesus rising again. Um, So it must have been a lot for them to take in. And Mark tells us that Jesus said all of this quite openly. I think that is to underscore, you know, his uh, traits of the way he spoke and the way he explained things to people oftentimes were uh, somewhat opaque. He liked to use parables and stories. He often would answer questions with questions. 
But here he says all of this quite openly. I think, again, this is to mark a distinction or a turning point in which we start our march towards Calvary. So Peter, who gets ahead of himself sometimes, opens his big mouth, and he begins to rebuke Jesus. Now remember in the reading from the last Sunday after the Epiphany, Peter is also present at the time of the Transfiguration. And Peter also is the one who uh, blurts out, uh, it's good for us to be here. Uh, Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say, for he was terrified. He just, in the moment of nervousness and fear, blurts something out. And so here again, he blurts something out without thinking. He actually rebukes Jesus in front of the other disciples for the things that Jesus was telling them about himself, and that quite openly. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Wow. That's a powerful statement also right in front of all of his other followers. And remember, we just heard the story from the beginning of Lent about how Jesus, after his baptism, was driven out into the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted by Satan himself. Tempted with all of the things that would... uh, would turn the heads of most people. Power, great riches, authority, fame, even food. And Jesus overcame all of these temptations. So why, I wonder, did he refer to Peter as Satan with that rebuke? Perhaps when Peter rebuked him or begged him to change his mind or to change his story. Jesus' heart was tugged at a bit. Perhaps he was tempted in a way that even those temptations he faced in the wilderness uh, could not match. He was tempted to save his own life because he knows the path that is set before him. He knows the suffering. He knows the rejection by the elders, and not just by the elders, which he doesn't tell his disciples, that you too, most of you, will reject me. One of you will betray me. Only one and my mother will be left by my side at the end. And so Jesus, being God and man, had all the feelings and temptations that we human beings have. And I imagine he was tempted to save his life for his own reasons. But very quickly, his mind snaps back into place, and he knows what he has to do. And so he rebukes Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In other words, There's a time and a place for love, and there's a time and a place for affection and and friendship and family. But right now, we have got to set our minds on God's plan for me, for, for Jesus, and thereby for the world.
Jesus could have been tempted to save his own life. And if he had done that, there were numerous occasions when he was tempted to do that. If he had done that, if he had not gone through with the rejection, the suffering, the death, where would that leave all of humankind? And so as we go through this uh, time of Lent, we walk our 40 days in the wilderness. We face down our own temptations, our own uh, spiritual yearnings. We take time for introspection. This is a good time to have time alone for thought, for prayer, for meditating on God's scriptures. It's a good time for reaching out to others to try to find, to see Jesus in people other than those who are right around you in your, in your circle. It's a time for us to focus on what Jesus says. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. That is the imitation of Christ. Those who are short-sighted and set their minds on human things and not heavenly things, in other words, who want to save their life, will lose it. But those who lose their life, and I don't necessarily mean by a martyrdom or a death, but those who deny themselves, those who take on this new uh, persona, this new spiritual direction as a follower of Jesus Christ, those people who lose their life for his sake and for the sake of his gospel will, in fact, save their lives and will save the lives of others, I would say. And so during this time of Lent, it is important for us to think about uh, this aspect of Jesus. Jesus as the one who asks a great deal of us. We like to think of Jesus as our resurrected Savior, as the good shepherd, as the baby in the manger. But Jesus is also our teacher and our master, the one who asks us to give up everything and follow him. And so let us pray that, uh, like the disciples, even though we have our human faults and foibles, that in the end, we will be able to see and feel with heavenly eyes and heavenly hearts and not human ones. For we know what the ultimate goal is. We know that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We know that we walk on the way to Calvary, but we know that we walk on the way to resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.